<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like it's it, it, just to say that I'm way involved. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Best podcast. In today's episode, we're talking with David Biasco, Aka Thunder, the current president of Best Alumni Network. This is the second part of our conversation with him. So, in this part, we talk more about his other activities and his overall working methods, let's say. For example, David shared some nice perspective about decision making, like in managing your time wisely when you have like many projects, like many of us. So also apart from BAM, David is involved in another volunteering organization called Best Before, which has a very nice mission and we spent quite some time talking about it. So yeah, I enjoyed this conversation with Thunder quite a lot and I hope you enjoy it too. The first question that we would like to ask you, it's of course to present yourself briefly. Uh, I am uh, Davide Biasco. Uh, I am known also as Thunder. Uh, this is like a historical <laughs> historical nickname that I have since before joining uh, uh, Best. Uh, yeah, like I am <laughs> I am uh, a person interested in in many things. Although the background is uh, quite uh, nerdy, IT and uh, uh, in particular, uh, system administration, network administration. Lately, also focus on security and uh, these things. Why thunder? <laughs> no, well, that's a question that is too long to, to answer. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> story, story. <laughs> so thunder, thunder it actually came, it comes from, um, uh, comes from uh, a letter that I sent to a video game a video game um, magazine when I was a kid. So I don't know if I like misspelled my name or they misspelled when they um, uh, when they published it. But I was meant to to be signed as Thunder. But uh, because I don't know, I saw something, some cartoon that I liked, or something that I liked this thing Thunder, right? So it was more like a video game nickname. Uh, but when I was published, then, um, like, you know, I was amazed by the fact that I was published and I was published as Thunder. And I said, okay, well, you know, this is unique. Uh, I, I could use that. So since then, I've always been using that as a nickname. Until, uh, but, you know, my friends would always call me Davide. But when I started university, then there were too many Davide in my classroom. So, <laughs> uh, so I started telling people, you know what, call me Thunder. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and it started like that. And when I introduced myself in, uh, in Best, uh, so what do you have to call you? And I said Thunder. And so like for several years, I think until probably uh, until now that I became president, like a couple of years ago, Probably most people knew me only as Thunder. They didn't know my name. <laughs> yeah, I guess it took me some time to learn your actual name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, when you introduce yourself, uh, when I was joining Bond, it was like Thunder everywhere. And at some point I realized, oh, this guy has a different name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So yes, uh, yes. He has nothing to do with ACDC and Thunderstruck and... Uh, well, no? there, there is, a, you know, like within all of the stories that happen in best and the songs that will uh, come, <laughs> no, <Yeah>. of course. <laughs> Absolutely. No, the, 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 this is a sec. This is a second layer of uh, ab above above the video game layer. Okay. Fair, fair. So, in terms of when you mentioned, um, I'm just curious. When you say David, it's quite a common name. Is it? Uh, so you are Italian, I guess. Everybody would uh, guess from your accent. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I am. I am Italian. I don't know if like my accent is so clear that is Italian. I for sure is not English. For for sure is not English. But uh, I, I like often if I ask people like yo guess where I'm from if you say that I'm not, like, they don't really manage to guess but they understand mm -hmm. that i'm not mother song uh, english native or something <laughs> yeah maybe i just say it like uh i know that you're italian so that's why i said it but um I'm, i wouldn't say in the beginning that you had this italian really let's say strong italian accent there mm -mm. <laughs> well i make fun of it myself really like uh, for me the italian accent is is really hilarious <laughs> and uh, and this is actually that i i like not only the italian accents when we speak in english but also for example my dialect accent when we speak italian it's uh, you know it's very distinctive uh, you can uh, you can really distinguish people in italy from any any part of the uh, of the country based on the accent that they have mm. while they speak italian you don't even need you know, to like them to speak in, in, in the dialect. You just listen to the accent. <laughs> Where were you from in Italy? A little town, like um, southern Naples. Like, southern not, Naples. Yeah, a okay. couple of hours drive from Naples. It should have a nice... You are close to the sea then, if it's southern Naples. Uh, well, I am actually in the, in the middle of the, uh, of the country, like it's a mountain area. Uh, but well, you know, the sea is not that far. So you you drive half an hour, forty minutes, you get to the sea. We don't have this as a question, but I'm actually curious. You mentioned in the UK, and um, we know that you live now in the UK. When did you make this change from going from being in Italy in this sunny, you know, nice weather, good wine, <laughs> you know, and you decide at some point, oh, okay, I'm moving back to some kind of more, let's say, foggy and rainy weather. When was that? <laughs> Uh, so this was uh, at some point, really, like uh, at some point I decided that uh, I needed to make uh, a good move with my career because whatever I did in Italy, like even if prepared myself for my professional career was not uh, good enough, like uh, I was not uh, going fast enough. I, I like I, I knew that I would work in IT support and stuff like this. I was supporting, uh, you know, little companies and uh, people here and there, but it was not a structured approach. So I said, okay, um, I moved with like the one that was my girlfriend at that time, and uh, and we decided to to go to London because of several reasons between English being the main language and me wanting to go to a bigger city than was Turin, where I was living, where we were living. And so, yeah, so that that was the choice. Uh, it was like a career-based choice, mostly. And, How yeah. many years ago was that? That was 2012. 
So yeah, eight years and a half now almost. Wow. It's interesting what you mentioned because Clayla, she was also on our podcast and she mentioned the same thing that uh, in Italy, it's it's very nice weather and everything. But um, let's say the job uh, proposals or job opportunities are quite fewer compared to other places. And she says, well, in the UK now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but this is a common problem for uh, for Italian for Italian mines, let's say, like uh, many of the south go to the north, but then when you get uh, to a certain level of skill, and, and depending on the on what kind of uh, uh, of market as well, like because uh, Clelia, for example, she is in biomedical, and in Italy it's very limited market for that. For me. Like in IT, in generic IT, I, I, I could have found, but I think like I was not inspired so much by the, the culture that there is. Uh, like, I mean, the culture in, in the business culture. Uh, there is a lot of nepotism. There is a lot of, uh, you know, you need to respect the owner just because, you know, he's the son of the guy who was the son of the guy who made the company is like what the fuck man <laughs> so, <laughs> so like not for me really like I, I i was looking for a little bit more of meritocracy like yeah <laughs> yeah it sounds like uh, some of the movies that we see on the tv about uh, yeah <laughs> these things oh the italian the italian landlord do you like living in london so far what what the what do you what do you like about it what do you regret about moving to london yeah uh, I, I don't think i have any particular regrets really uh i whenever i do a choice and uh, i think about it enough and i you know i structure my decision i pretty much never uh, regret about it um it's uh, I, I think like it's uh, it's a series of things that i like of london and they changed during the years so the first years like for sure you know the the fact that uh, i could find a job in, in the sector that i that was interesting for me and uh, uh, yeah yeah this kind of uh, you know very very uh, career related uh, matters uh, and and my career like went very fast especially in the first uh, three years um, and then uh, uh, then I started appreciating the fact that there were connections to everywhere. So I started traveling like really uh, a lot uh, and and was a bit uh, to compensate, I think, in my subconscious, all the travel that I didn't do while I was in best because I invest like I met many people from many places. But me, myself, I didn't go to many places. I, I went on to a few events, so I really wanted to to compensate this, and uh, and, and yeah, so that was like the second uh, good good side. Then the the variety of people that I could meet in London that was something that uh, really like and keeps impressing me. Uh, when uh, well, right now there is all the lockdown and all of these problems, but. Uh, but generally, it's really amazing to to go around London, like for for the variety of people you meet, and yeah. So I think like then what I found uh, when I moved to this house where I live now is also an, a general environment around me that I like, 
uh, is like there is uh, the canal uh, that is something uh, really to appreciate a lot. Uh, the, there is like, you know, th there are the parks that you can reach that are like nearby and they are big and, and you can, you know, walk forever. You can, uh, or you can cycle for very, very long distances without the need of going like crossing a road. Uh, so yeah, like it, it gives it gives you like much more space than uh, than you could expect by a so crowded city. Let's say. I'm surprised to hear space in a city like London. Okay. Yeah, it, it it's a different feeling from many other big cities. It's a very different feeling, like from uh, uh, I don't know. Like I think the only city that I could compare like with this feeling of space and having where you know like uh, freedom is is Berlin. Because I think it's been built, it's been rebuilt, you know, after the war in a, in a good way. But uh, but for the rest, like the other cities, are like they don't really have this this feeling of so much space. I mean, there's so many things we can follow up on on top of that, which are not on our script. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, for me, and I think for our listeners, it will be quite interesting. You mentioned that you don't regret your decisions. And mm -hmm. I just wonder, do you have any kind of approach or strategy to make your decisions stick that uh, you don't regret to them? Yeah. Uh, and the, yeah, the answer is yes. Now, now I do. Uh, I use cool. like to be, uh, I used to be very undecided on things. So like what would happen is that, you know, maybe I would have an idea and be very stubborn on this idea that I need to do that thing. Uh, but then maybe, you know, like when uh, whenever there was some choice, some things that I needed to, uh, to really, you know, change, uh, I was procrastinating and, Mm. delaying shifting this decision and shifting and shifting and this is the these are the things that i am um that i am regretting so i realized that what is important is to take the decision based on the information that you have so the process that i have now is to set a deadline to take the like to to um yeah, set a deadline to to actually gather all of the information that I want regarding a certain thing. And at that point, I will take the decision, okay, do I go ahead or not with this thing based with on the data that uh, uh, that I uh, gathered, right? So at that point, I, I, I feel like, okay, you know, I will not be able to take a better decision than the one that I'm taking right now because I already know all of the information that, you know, yeah, you can go for perfectionism, but yeah. there is never perfect like a, uh... <laughs> So it seems that you are just uh, protecting yourself from procrastination by making a deadline for the decision. Yeah, that's, that's a, a quite good approach that I made myself. I like, and uh, the other way is actually to, to ensure that the deadline happens by itself, like, you know, uh one thing is to set uh you know something that you need to uh you need to fulfill because you you know you just believe you need to another thing is to make you know uh like to, to burn bridges they say right so you just make some choice that you cannot go like back like you know, there, there is no no escape right 
So for example, I don't know, like if you if you decide to move house, you know, you give the notice on the previous house, right? And how how often do you do such, uh, let's say, burn bridges versus deadlines in the past year, let's say? Yeah, well, actually, this is, I think this last year has been a very different year. Yeah, from that actually, point of view. that's actually true. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the last two, three years then. <laughs> last five years. Five years. Yeah, I, I think like a good example has been, uh, uh, it's been the, like the fact when I left my job, uh, that was one year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, uh, so I, I was wondering for a few months, like, what should I do about this job? Should I stay, go? And I decided then, uh, okay, like whenever I find like within this time frame, that was, I don't know, some six months time, uh, whenever I see the first chance that is a good, uh, good way for me to leave the job, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just leave it. Like, so, so give me notice. And actually that chance came because there were some restructuring changes that they were doing. So I would get uh, some additional bonuses for leaving. Cool. And okay. So nice. <laughs> yeah. so, so you not only achieve it, but you get even more with that. That that's, that's so cool. And, that's... Yeah, and and but the important thing is that my mindset was set. You know, so I was yeah. not feeling like, oh no, I'm losing my job. I was feeling like amazing. Like you know, I, this was the moment that I was waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Where are you headed right now? I mean, uh, uh, maybe one thing, one precise thing that I can ask you is: I see that uh, apart from like being in in Bern, uh, you are collaborating in this so-called uh, best before project that I was like stalking you on LinkedIn. I don't know if this is still the case right now. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, uh, I am quite active now again in this project. This is a project that I joined when I arrived in London, because one of the founders was a friend of mine that she, she came in London like before me um, and I joined it back then like being the first source of new friends like for me and also like being very interesting uh, uh, idea so the idea is uh, to avoid the waste of food because of the misconception of the labeling because a lot of food is thrown away just because it has this best before date uh, that is past maybe or is approaching uh, and uh, often people don't know that it's legal to, to, to sell this food and it's actually fine to eat it because that uh, best before is an indicator of uh, quality so like the, the product may be not at its best but it's, uh, it's still safe to eat so it's not an indicator of safety while um, yeah, be, uh, use by is an indicator of, of safety so you should be careful about that more careful. Um, so this was the concept. I liked it. Like, and I've been focused on uh, on like, you know, making it work. Uh, after a few years, I, I lost a bit more motivation, and plus, like, I was trying to to step up in my career another bit, and uh, so I had to to leave it back. But uh, in the last uh, in the last six seven months, I I am. Uh, uh, I am fully committed to make it restart uh, in in a better way. So so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm investing some more time on it. And what are you doing there? Exactly. I'm I, I'm a director. Uh, 
uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like it, it's it, just to say that I'm way involved, uh, and I am mostly trying to rebuild the team, the the core team that like would take care of all of the marketing, PR, uh, management, HR, and uh, uh, and uh, um, like we want to become a charity because we are not a charity yet. Uh, and like in, in the moment that we become a charity, access to grants and actually, you know, have some paid fixed positions so that the network can spread uh, and also the, the the message can be can be spoken out like loud, loud. Is, it, <laughs> mm. is it only in London or are you like around the UK? Where were you? So we uh, this started in London. Uh, it had uh, at its maximum uh, had uh, like uh, seven or uh, seven or eight uh, independent like groups that were working collecting food and redistributing it and stuff like this. Uh, then it shrunk, mm -hmm. but like one of the parts like went to Bury St Edmund that is in UK. Um, but there are like interesting. Uh, initiatives like in other countries that are similar so we want to connect with them and also we have some other like uh, communities that would like to like from other countries that would like to be our subsidiary so like you know we just want to be ready and have a proper structure and system that uh, allows this to 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 go smoothly yeah. uh, so this is what we are working on yeah you thought about the when the food should not be thrown on the best before because it is still eatable how edible, somebody... yeah. yeah so is there some kind of a strategy or so some kind of recommendations that you provide how somebody will know when the food it's really not eatable is there some kind of a way depending on the food maybe yeah so like this is uh <laughs> this is like a, a very simple answer and may seem unscientific uh but uh It's basically look at it, smell it, <laughs> and taste it. That, that's the best way. And, and you should do that with any food that you are eating, really, because you shouldn't trust the fact that, you know, if it's within the date, then automatically it's good. You should always give a look. You shouldn't, you know, mm. um, trust it just because there is a date. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. But how are you... Um, I mean... How are you trying to, let's say, publicize this idea? How what what are you, let's say, what are the projects or what are the the approach that you're taking in order for this idea to spread? Because of course, I mean, this is, this is very important because you know, today we are wasting a lot of food. So if 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 in a way we can reduce the amount of food that is wasted, that is a very good way to reduce our environmental impact, etc. I mean, yeah. how are you? Yeah. So, so okay. So, like, our approach for this problem, problem in particular uh, would be um, to, to move on, on several things in parallel. So, one will be to uh, educate people. And education of people will come through Uh, social media spreading and uh, and then uh, some kind of uh, marketing material that is available in the supermarkets then uh, 
to reach supermarkets, local charities, and uh, these kind of organizations that deal with food anyway, anyone who deals with food, and inform them through some representatives that uh, this food is fine, give them the leaflets, try to spread the word like that way. Uh, then reach the press and uh, uh, ensure that our message is spread on major like uh, newspapers or magazines or like any anything that is relevant. At that point, uh, it would be to reach CEOs of big food companies or like or companies that are dealing with food and have some pressure like on them, uh, like try to uh, sensibilize about the issue. Uh, and eventually to change, like to, 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 to reach legislator and change the, legisl uh, the legislation on the matter uh, by, I don't know, maybe taxating like the food that is uh, being thrown away. Or, I don't know, like for example, in France, what happened uh, a few years ago was that um, supermarkets were bound to, to give away the food. They couldn't, uh, they can't like, actually uh throw it away they must give it and uh i don't know how structured now the thing is but you know this arrived to the legislator and the legislator did something so we want the same here and we want the same everywhere and this is not the case now in the uk no no it's not it like really depends on the uh, on the manager of the supermarket slash uh the owner of the company and the bigger companies are the hardest because they have much more bureaucracy okay but there is no law that forbids companies to give uh, their expired food to other people no of course not because it's not it's legal to give it away it's legal to sell it even mm -hmm. you just need to advertise it like you know to to show that it's past the date but um, but it can be done so but what what you're telling me that is wasn't aware is that there are you uh, there are two things in the label there is one best before and there's one used by exactly so used by is an indicator of, of safety you need to be careful about that food because it may be harmful after that date the best before date generally is something that you have on long-term food like you have it for packages of like pasta you know lentils or whatever or you have it on cans you know peas or whatever like that uh, and uh, and generally yeah it's just an indicator of like um like the, the definition is that the date um indicates that the quality of the food is as advertised on the label like you know so that is that is the actual definition but there is no you know uh, yeah i mean the, the definition doesn't mm -hmm. uh, as advertising the label okay so yeah you know like they say that you have green peas in the in the can maybe you know after five years <laughs> that they stay in there they're not green anymore they're pale yeah, uh, okay, fine. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, okay. So good for eating. <laughs> I don't know. Mm -hmm. okay, anyway, that sounds yeah. interesting. And um, it's you say that you want to build kind of the logistics uh, behind that. How many people are currently in this organization that helps you? Well, yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay. 
you like there there is a distinction between people that are fully involved people that are sometimes involved like, like occasional uh, uh volunteers and uh, and then like this new uh this new bunch of people that I'm uh, trying to um to hire let's say uh, the uh, okay, so th this new core team that I'm trying to organize that is going to take care of all of the, uh, you know, online marketing and all of this, uh, like, stuff that can be done remotely. It's around 15 people now, maybe 15, something like this, but I aim to have it around 20, 25. Uh, quite a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of a people. a small company already. Yeah, uh, but the point is that uh, I, I prefer to have very sectorized uh, functions so that, you know, every volunteer knows that it has like this amount of hours to spend, but that's it. And I am much more confident that they're going to do it. And uh, like they, they are also easier to replace if, if it's uh, necessary. Um, and uh, but but for example, in the in the local groups, you have many more people. So you have some, uh, yeah, maybe you have 30 volunteers that are there. There are some of them that are working like even 20 hours a week for the for the, the organization, 20 or even more. Uh, and they do a lot of collections. You know, you, you can have 200, 300 collections a week. So uh, there is, you know, there is a lot of... Uh, of stuff ongoing and it's a bit difficult to have a precise count and this is also something that we need to have um, structured because unfortunately you always need to deal with uh, with the law and with uh, like you know mm -hmm. um, everything that is involved so yeah you like you need to protect also the volunteer from anything that could happen so that yeah, we, we need to be careful about that yeah what, yeah. Is, what is a collection that you're talking about sorry so like what happens is that we go to a supermarket for example right so we tell him like look you should sell this food because it's like it's sellable you know mm -hmm. he says yeah but uh, no one buys it so yeah. so we tell him oh look then you you could give it to this charity and the charity would say you know, and he would say yeah but i don't really want many people to come here and like in there and mess up with my business I would rather give it just to one person. And I say, okay, so then we, there will be this person, like one of us, that will come and collect this extra food. So we collect it, we put, we bring it to the, our warehouse where it's going to be distributed generally, like mostly to other charities. Uh, but uh, sometimes, like there is, like, well, in periods of no, no lockdown, yeah, we also had the di direct, like, uh, people coming and call, uh, getting some food. Just to piggyback to the previous uh, thing when you mentioned so many volunteers, is it something that you do this like a profession or do you see it as a profession or you still have a full-time job? Uh, uh, no, I'm not uh, uh, I'm not getting any money from this. So <laughs> this is a fully volunteering like for the sake of it. Uh, what I'm getting is experience on managing people, on managing remote teams, on uh, understanding how many dynamics work. Um, but uh, but yeah, like it's it's a job that I do for the for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm asking. This one was more about. Um, so how do you do your time management? Is this some because for me, what you mentioned, 
and you're also quite involved with Inbound, which is something that we will speak more about later. How do you manage your time management? <laughs> well, what people can learn from that because it's it's amazing. It's like you're kind of uh, everywhere. Do, do, do you still have a do you still have a third job in, like a, uh, no, another I, activity I, in between? Or? Yeah, no. The truth, <laughs> the, no the, at the moment, I'm not I'm not working. I don't have a full time job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something that I'm trying to do full time as full time as possible is to study. So okay. uh, this has been a hard. Uh, activity to do like after several years of not doing it mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah trying to dedicate a certain amount of hours a day uh, just to study and this amount of hours should be six often it's reduced to uh, four and a half five but uh, but yeah the, but they are proper like focused hours so they they work. What I do is uh, I have uh, like generally I wake up early. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, even in events he was the first one, uh, first one uh, in, or the first riser. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Me yeah, too. Generally, generally around. Uh, uh, around five, I'm I'm already up. So I, had, I do all of uh, my working routine. Uh, like my my way, like a morning routine before before breakfast, mm-hmm. and then I have from breakfast to uh, to lunch time to do two of the three things that I want to study. Okay. So what I do is I use the Pomodoro technique to split it. Mm-hmm. And I generally have two groups of sessions of Pomodoros like in the morning, uh, and that's you know like if I do that, I already feel satisfied for the day. So that already <laughs> that already like makes me m- makes me a happy man. Mm. Uh, then uh, generally, what I try to do in the afternoon is to have another uh, group like to to study, and then okay. dedicate the fourth group to eventual like other things that I need to do, in which there are also the activities related to um, the volunteering mm. and. Uh, and if you allocate the time wisely, like if you if you are strict and if you remove the um, all of the distractions, so like basically what I do is I put my my phone on flight mode or the equivalent of this. Uh, yeah. I no, not flight mode. I I I deactivate the data. So like if, if someone calls me, it rings, but all of the blimp, all of the messages, like things that they yeah. don't they don't arrive. Uh, so yeah, like this is generally what I do, mm. uh, and then I have the evening, you know, for uh, like more relaxing activities or like something uh, more for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, like this has been uh, quite uh, quite a routine. I, I've not been one hundred percent, you know, diligent, but uh, but it did work uh, quite well, and I think uh, I I got quite good <laughs> at uh, organizing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it something you can recommend to students? You know, because oh, definitely. Your student organization, or you're basically alumni of student organization. Is it something that you could recommend it? And how how do you keep yourself motivated to to study regularly? Yeah, um, yeah. These are like very basic uh, motivation tricks that you can find on any you know motivational book or podcast or. 
you know, like I, I would say the first thing you should do is to read some of those things because like different voices, but the concepts are the same. You mm-hmm. need to split the tasks. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to split the tasks in very clear, like uh, in very clear steps. Okay. And you need to give yourself milestones so that you make that milestone and you give a, you know, a pat on the back to yourself and you say, yes, I've been good. And, uh, and you should prize yourself with things that make you be better at the things that you are doing. So, you know, it's like, it's not that you, okay, like, let's say you, you worked, uh, you, you know, you did your six hours of study today and, uh, and you say, okay, like as a prize for this, I'm going to get drunk. (laughs) I was thinking the same way. Yeah. (laughs) But but the problem with this, the problem with this is that the day after you're not going to perform better, you're going to perform worse. So you mm-hmm. should always give yourself some prizes that are helping you with what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So there are something happy, but they are like that. They, they, they are uh, that something that makes you happy, but but it's it's good for you. So for example, you know, I'm going for a walk. Uh, yeah. Like you know, I am really go, like going to and like enjoy this time with this friend that I am not seeing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you don't feel guilty. You actually are super happy, and you have stuff to talk about because maybe you can talk about stuff that you studied or something that you watched on the TED on your break, or yeah. uh, something that you know like ending. But you you do it full of the fact that you you know you made you did your job. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. And mm. what do you study at the moment? What are the topics? I wanted to ask the things? question. <laughs> Uh, so there are three things that I am focusing on. Uh, one is uh, um, becoming a Google Cloud architect. So mm-hmm. this is something that I've been studying for a while now, and I, I want to complete just to take the the Google exam. Can you elaborate uh, what does it mean to be a Google Cloud architect? So Google Cloud architect means that you are able to find to, to structure solutions for companies that want to build something on the cloud. So either migrate what they have on premises or they have on some other cloud or any other thing or build mm-hmm. something from scratch. I don't know, like if you want to open the new Tinder or something like this, uh, do you know what kind of resources you need? Like uh, I should be the one who, you know, resolves mm-hmm. this problem for you. Mm-hmm. And maybe before the other two things, why Google Cloud and not uh, Amazon AWS? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's curious. a good. Uh, just curious that's because... a, that, yeah, that's a, an interesting question. Actually, uh, it, it was actually it, this was uh, quite uh, <laughs> quite a choice that I did, and it's pretty much about the look that they have. Mm-hmm. So I I've been using AWS, so I know. Uh, not in depth, like uh, you know, super professional or anything, but I know how it works. Um, and okay, I have sir. been, I have, yeah, like I, I did the migration, like of my previous company to AWS, like for all of the infrastructure together with the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, I'm well aware of how it works and um, and what are the functions. But mm-hmm. then I said, you know, I know this. I knew Azure as well from Microsoft mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, we were using it for years. 
then I said, you know, like this, this, there is this Google Cloud that came out and yeah. uh, came out late, like all yeah. of the other. But it seems offering a lot of things. So let's see how it is. And I gave a look and I really liked the interface. Like the interface was was uh, for me way better than the one in AWS that is super confusing, uh-huh. uh, like at least for me. So so this is why I decided, okay, let's, let's go deeper in this. But anyway, like the functions are very, very aligned between these three major, uh, three major uh, competitors, let's say. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess we could dig deeper on that, but uh, I mean, the, the, the whole cloud is a big topic. Maybe before we talk about the other two old subjects or whatever, uh, do you see Google Cloud like growing and taking and taking parts of the market from AWS, which is uh, well, I mean, we uh, hmm. this is the big the big market leader today and uh, yeah, kind of dominating everything. Um, I th- I think it's gonna be a good fight. I think it's gonna be an interesting one. Uh, I see I see you know all the old Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft-based companies migrating either to Azure or to something else. So Azure is the most likely because, like, it's sort of, you know, they feel confident with the Microsoft vendor and it, like, it feels okay. But you know, AWS is actually the first customer of Microsoft in the world. So they are selling like more than anyone else <laughs> Microsoft stuff. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it's quite, uh, it's quite a thing about Google cloud. It has like a, another corner and it offers mm-hmm. like pretty much all of the same, uh, functions, maybe not so many as AWS, but almost there. Uh, and I, and I see it keeping growing. So now I don't know how the percentage is going to change during the years. But uh, but for sure it will be an important player. Important, like I mean, more than ten percent of the share. So and, and we are speaking about enormous numbers here. Really, really, really big. Okay. I mean, I guess we can talk about the future of the cloud at some other point. Maybe there's some question. But uh, maybe to complete what you're just saying, what are the other two things that you are studying? Uh, yes. Uh, the other one is uh, I am studying for another certification that is. Uh, uh, CISP. Uh, What's that? CISSP. Uh, yeah. Security uh, officer. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of. <laughs> it is uh, is um, CI. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the definition is um, certified uh, information security. Uh, Specialist? Oh, no. oh, I even... It's professional. No, 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 wait. Uh, no, it's certified <laughs> information systems security professional. Okay, that's what Ah, it. there because, you go. Yeah, because, uh, yeah. So this is regarding, uh, in, like, information security in all of its shapes, let's say. So from, uh, like, like, you know, organizing the security in... Uh, in the companies from uh, from any aspect and the data security information security mm-hmm. uh, and i would like to mix like to, to sort of um, mix and match this with my cloud uh, architect so that i can do secure architecting mm-hmm. so that, that mm-hmm. is my thing 
That's interesting yeah. because both are like a separate professions, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you could do one or the other. Uh, like yeah. and there are people that are extremely professional in in both of them. But maybe uh, I don't know what is this definition that there is when you when you have you know this attitude to to be focused on many things at once. Uh, ah, I don't remember. Like um, there, there is a name, uh, multilateral, multi something. I don't remember. Encyclopedian mindset. I don't know. Renaissanceism uh, because because uh, Renaissanceism mindset because you're looking for. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember. But uh, but basically, I like yeah, I like to I like to have this more uh, open approach rather than having super specific task mm -hmm. uh, i think like i uh, this gives me more satisfaction okay. I, i i found out yeah that it's a bit like that you want to be have a broader scope broader mindset and not to be mm. focused only more mindset. more to have like a, a more clear idea of the things that are happening yeah yeah, yeah no that's but that's interesting yeah. that's and what is the third one? Oh, the third one i'm trying to learn some coding <laughs> because uh, i am uh, okay. I, i am really bad at coding like i mean uh I, well of course like there are levels in everything but uh, all the coding that i can do are general like some small scripts here and there uh, that are you know to do some uh, like mm, little functions and little things but you know i would like to have a proper like uh, mindset again to understand you know mm -hmm. like how how something works so for example you know if if there is this uh, you know like a team that is preparing this thing and they're saying okay this is the base code and this works in this way uh you know i would like to read through the code and understand what's going on you know i don't want to be just uh, you know assuming mm. that someone is telling me something and <laughs> uh, and accepting it so i'm studying uh, python uh this, yeah. this is the the language that i chose because mm -hmm. i can use also for scripting mm -hmm. uh, but i think it's a, it's you know it's a good uh, generic language that it's very close to c that is uh, like a bit of a big uh, you know Uh, big boy uh, there it's a good <laughs> choice honestly it's, it's, a, good a, choice. it's a good choice yeah it's a good choice yeah. and then I, i i need to get a bit better in bash that is the scripting stuff that uh you use under unix systems so that is uh like you know i'm i'm, uh, I'm working on that too but it's very hard language to to manage that one cool So it seems that you are not only learning those three things, but you're actually preparing for something new, like a career shift in your f near future. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is, uh, yeah, this is a big, uh, big thinking uh, that I've been having lately. So should I, should I actually start working, or should I keep like the the learning path, or, and uh, the truth is that. I was hoping to have, like, you know, after I left my my job, I was hoping to travel yeah. a bit more, really, and have a bit more freedom and uh, yeah. uh, and stuff like that. But uh, apart from the the first, you know, months that I actually did travel a bit in the Balkans, yeah, yeah, uh, then good choice. <laughs> <laughs> then, the, yeah, the winter, the winter, I spent it uh, at home because I decided mm -hmm. that I would yeah. be a bit more 
um, you know, focused on actually learning. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then the virus came and like, you know, like, yeah, at that point I was really forced to stay, <laughs> to stay home. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's how it went. <laughs> That's uh, great to use your time then. That's great to use your time. And yeah, I just wonder for people, because career changing, I think it's something that it happens quite often. I mean, invested, mm-hmm. at least I know people who study architecture, you know, like for buildings and then become developers. And yeah. uh, I just wonder your thought process. Um, how did you decide to go through this path? It's like, what was what is your motivation to, to make this shift? And... Uh, what can you tell, what is, are the lessons learned so far mm-hmm. that somebody else could replicate or will not want to make the same mistakes as you did? So, yeah, uh, uh, okay. Uh, first of all, just to complete the the question before, uh, okay. at the moment I am a bit like, uh, uh, I, I am open to people that are offering me jobs. All so right. what I'm doing is, you know, if there is someone that is... Uh, Offering me some kind of interesting opportunity, I I wouldn't uh, you know like I, I I can I can work on it and, uh, and can you please elaborate what what are you looking for at the moment? Uh, I, I think I think you know it's something that either makes me develop in any of those skills that I just mm-hmm. mentioned, mm-hmm. so that you know I can work and while I work I learn more. Okay. Um, or. Um, yeah, so this is the alternative number one. The yeah. alternative number two would be to to do something that is extremely inspiring, even if, uh, um, uh, you know, like uh, even if uh, it's a complete like, change, it would be super inspiring. So, like for example, you know, I become president of a um, non-for-profit that uh, has, you know, pays me and uh, but has a very huge social impact and I think that is extremely relevant or oh, that that would be something interesting for me but uh, what okay cool but may I ask you I mean uh, may I ask you the, the thing what what would inspire you what uh, like if you have to shoot for the moon yeah what what would you what what would passionate you what what is it, what in the world uh, is you find uh, passionating. <laughs> okay, so like this is all another, <laughs> this is all another field. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, it, it, go, it goes to the same question. Like if you if you're looking for a job that uh, you know. Uh, okay, so so like so this is why. Okay, I, I'm trying to have both things, keep like uh, strengthening my technical bits, but also uh, improving my you know leadership skills or. Uh, you know, relationship uh, management uh, skills or something like this, uh, because I like. I think I like to have both options. But the truth is that uh, I believe in uh, uh, in people, especially in leaders, that know what is the stuff that there is behind. So I like. I think they, they you know they need to know how things work. Now, what is that for me is important and critical. I have. Uh, been taught, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and, um, and actually there is a a movement that I knew for like a few months, uh, and I am like in the in the last months really I I understood in in depth that is called effective altruism, um, 
and, and I think yeah it, this is like this is basically about being as effective as possible in the way that we help the others mm -hmm. so you know like we should focus like the the efforts in in making the most good possible mm -hmm. uh, and the same is uh, like the same uh, ideators of this are also involved with another podcast uh, with another pod with another concept that is called uh, that it has a podcast that is called uh, 80,000 hours Mm -hmm. And this regarding having the most effective career or the most uh, impactful way of working, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, so the truth is that you know you can do an extremely, an extremely technical job, an extremely, you know, maybe you are a coder of like only C, but uh, like you know, on the super pro level that you don't do anything else the whole day, but you are doing it for this, uh, you know, charity that is uh, raising money for kids that have malaria in Africa. I don't know, something yeah. like this. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that, you know, your impact is extremely, extremely high on on the way that you are actually saving lives and making the world a better place just because you are working for that kind of thing. Or maybe, you know, you can be a super genius or a super like CEO of I don't know what company that does a super fancy app that everyone has. Yeah. And it's completely useless, you know. Mm. <laughs> it's like, uh, if, if you know, like if the if that was not in the world, the world would be exactly as happy, you know. Mm. So, mm. so my and and like uh, you know, looking at all of like these things, and I still need to have like uh, to make a, 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 a exact like precise idea of all of the things. But I think that education is uh, is extremely important. I think education is. Uh, uh, is something that, like I don't know. It's something that I feel like uh, I must do my best to ensure that as many people as possible understand the same concept that like that I understood. That like if you don't keep educating yourself, you are doing damage to yourself and to everyone else. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so probably anything that would regard education that I know that is effective. That uh, that would be super exciting for me. Yeah, that would be super uh, education. Education, like as a broader term, because you know when uh, um, you know when you think about the people that stormed the Capitol in U.S. or when you think uh, about uh, uh, you know the unhappiness of uh, the employee that goes back home and has a very very stressful life, or if you think about uh, uh, the like finance man that has uh, you know a lot of money, but what he wants to do is just to like suicide when he gets home. Like this is all people that what are they are missing? They are mm -hmm. missing some knowledge. That is what they are missing. Uh, some knowledge of how to live a happy life or how to um, uh, you know how to manage your time or how to. Uh, get the best of what you have. Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, please share your opinion about our podcast at beyond.best at bestalumni.net. We will be happy to read your suggestions and ideas. If you want to join the Best Alumni Network, 
you can visit our website for more information. Stay tuned for more episodes with interesting guests. On behalf of your hosts, Eduardo and Alex, it was a pleasure to make this episode for you.